Welcome to Purpose, where we talk about how to navigate life, exploring the joys and difficulties of being single, and strengthening our faith in Jesus Christ. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Emily. And we are really excited to introduce our first guest on the show. This is Kathy Nixon. And we thought it would be good to let her uh, share a little bit about her background and her experience as she has found purpose in the unexpected life. Yes, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be the first guest. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Stephanie and Emily, for having me. Um, I'm Kathy Nixon. Professionally, I'm a senior associate athletic director at Utah Valley University. My career has been in college athletics. I've been a basketball coach at UVU and at BYU. And yeah, I live here in Provo. I am from the great state of Texas. Any of you Texans out there? <laughs> Where in Texas? I'm from uh, Duncanville, Texas. It's a suburb of Dallas, and um, I'm just happy to be here today. That's awesome. That's great. Thank you so much. We we are excited to have you. Uh, do you mind just sharing a little bit about your family makeup, like where you fall in your family? Sure. Nieces, nephews, all that good stuff. My favorite thing to talk about, yes. <laughs> favorite aunt is by far my uh, favorite role. Very expensive and time-consuming, but yet so rewarding. Right? We buy their love. Exactly, we, their love. we do. So I am the youngest of five kids. Kids. I have four older brothers and myself. I have 19 nieces and nephews, and all but three of them are married. And there are 31 great grandchildren now. Wow. And there's 32 and three are on the way. And I could have got that wrong. I think 30 was born this summer and now 31 and 32 are on the way. They come so quickly. It's hard for me to keep track, but I adore them so much. And I've told my brothers a long time ago that I was stealing their children because I didn't have my own. And um, they let me do that. So it's been really awesome. That was great. So I know Stephanie and I have talked about a little bit. It's tricky because, you know, when you're 18, 19, you kind of have your your life mapped out in front of you and you think this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And then God's like, ha, I got a different plan. So what have you learned as you've been navigating that unexpected life and this journey? And I mean, it sounds like your job is pretty involved. Like you're pretty busy. It sounds really fulfilled. Like you find fulfillment in that, but I'm sure there's, there's areas like Stephanie and I have found too in our life that as great as our jobs are, it's still, you know, it's tough. So what are some things that you would share? Yeah. Uh, thank you. This is actually something that's, you know, it's obviously a life journey for me. And for those of us that share that, one of the things I have realized in my own personal, it, it's interesting because one of my own personal mantras is just finding joy and living the unexpected life. And so when you, Emily asked me to come talk on this, talk with you about this, it really resonated with me. But I think absolutely, this is not the life I would have chosen. And probably if you would ask me when I was 20 something years old, it would be the last thing I would want is to be single and not have my own family. And so absolutely, it's been a, a journey, sometimes painful, um, to try to understand what Heavenly Father's plan is for me. And the thing I've learned in that process more than anything is one, Heavenly Father does love me and that he does love all of us. And it's been absolutely a personal journey for me to understand why I've had this life and um, to understand that it wasn't that I got just kind of sentenced to a secondary life somehow because I did something wrong um, or I wasn't doing it right, um, but that this is a life 
life that I can be very happy in and fulfilled in and actually can reach the purpose of my creation. One thing I've seen as I've had the opportunity to serve, and Emily, you and I met in an awesome, awesome stake, the YSA 16th stake. I had the opportunity to serve there in the Stake Release Society. One of the things that I learned is a lot of us feel that we did something wrong. And I I have personal friends who, the conversation with with a dear friend who said, you know, I, I just did it wrong. I, there was time, a time or times where I thought I should talk to somebody and I didn't talk to them and now they're married and I'm not. And it's kind of the I, what if, what yeah, I just, I just screwed it up. And I really had the very strong impression at that time. And this has been quite a few years ago that, and I had to ponder that, right? Like, is that really what happened? Like, and did I do the same thing? We all have those times where we thought maybe we should have talked to someone or, wow, we, he's cute or whatever, and we don't pursue that. And I just had the really strong impression that that is not so. And that the atonement is for that, too. Like, why wouldn't the atonement be for our dating life? It, it just acts, you know, just happens that it just excludes that most important thing. And the atonement doesn't cover that. And if you did swipe the right direction or you didn't talk to this person or that person or go out and do and you said the wrong thing or wore the wrong outfit or whatever. It stinks to be it, you. You it, missed it. Exactly. And I just had the really strong impression that there is no way that that's true. The, the atonement for sure would cover that, right? Families are such an important part of our eternal picture and purpose that I, I have a strong testimony that the atonement certainly would cover that. And none of us have to be perfect in that area or any other area of our lives. I really love what you're sharing. I think this is super valuable to recognize that the atonement of Jesus Christ, like, I mean, it's, it's it covers everything. When he says everything, it's everything. And I like hearing this too, that I think for our listeners, knowing that it's okay to feel pain in this process, like it's okay to maybe think like maybe you did something wrong or you missed something, but also on the flip side of that coin too, to recognize and understand that like Christ understands that too. And he's there to help answer those things and, and to make it right and say, no, you really didn't do anything wrong. And I mean, you know, we want to be careful on blanket sweeping that because maybe there are some things that we could be a little bit better making ourselves more available and whatnot. But I think overall, what you're saying is so valuable for people to understand and recognize that, uh, that's part of his major roles as Savior. Yeah. So you said earlier, finding kind of the why of, of your life. What insight have you gleaned or have you gleaned any insight as to why you are where you are without those things that you had hoping hope, for had hoped for? Because all of us, you have to ask that question, why? What or what is the purpose behind this particular life? Because it's not the one that I wanted. And so have you what insight have you kind of gathered to maybe answer that question? Yeah, that's a really good good question, Stephanie. One of those things was with my career. Um, you know, coaching as a profession is kind of like raising other people's children, except you get them when they're 
old and <laughs> you don't have as much influence in some of their values or things. And so, and real quick, can we remind them to like how long you were coaching and where again? Sure. Yeah. I started my coaching career at BYU as an assistant and I was an assistant for three years. I played basketball at BYU and then I was an assistant coach for three years there. And then I went to Utah Valley and was an assistant coach for four years. And then I was the head coach for 24 years and I loved it. It was an awesome career, but it wasn't what I had thought my purpose in life was going to be. And I, I had the realization, you know, it was pretty late in my coaching career that part of the reason I think Heavenly Father allowed me to have that opportunity as, as a career is because it taught me things that I would never have ever learned another way because I would have avoided learning them at all costs. <laughs> because some of the things about being a head coach, um, by nature, I'm somebody who likes to make people happy and I, I love to make dreams come true. And as a head coach, you're the bad cop and you destroy people's dreams in their version. And so I, I learned that I had to develop some things and use some muscles that I probably would not have ever used in my life by choice if I wasn't in that career. So that's part of it. You know, I think I'm not sure that it was that I got that was allowed to have that career necessarily by design and the grand plan, but I certainly could see and now see that Heavenly Father taught me some things through that that I don't think I would have learned any other way. Emily and I have talked before that, and, and Kathy, I don't know if this you feel the same way, but our stage of influence is bigger. As teachers and as a coach, you just come in contact with more people over this period of time. And so we just have thought maybe, I mean, everybody's trying to process the why. And I don't know if we can always have the answer to the why, but sometimes well, to make myself feel better, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but to make myself feel better, I would say maybe God just needed me to be in front of more people. And even though I wish I would have been home being a mom, that would have been a limited number. And I'm not minimizing the power and influence of mothers at all. It's just, you're right. Sometimes their influence as parents comes to a point and it's kind of like this really cute handoff. I'll take them, you know, until they're 18. I'm like, great. We'll take them when they're 18 and we'll get them through 25 and then they're on their own, you know? And so I just kind of think about it that way. What if we did have this big powwow with moms in heaven, you know, about, okay, I'll get your kids when they're really questioning. That's all right. You just keep them alive until 18. Anyway, so and that's something that has just been helpful for me. I haven't that's, I don't desire to be on a stage like that, but I'm grateful that God maybe has confidence I love that. in us to put us in those positions that we were not seeking. Yeah, I love that. that makes sense. For sure, I've seen that um, in my career, but also in my family, you know, with my nieces and nephews and my brothers and sister-in-laws say it all the time, like, oh, well, you know, Kathy can tell you, and, but we can't kind of thing. And so, you know, I, I have had really just the realization that for any of 
us, and I think especially for us as women, our responsibility is just to influence for good wherever we can. And it doesn't take away the pain of not having my own children, but the thing I have seen is some people that don't have their own children choose not to have influence because they're angry or bitter or they just don't want to talk to other people's kids or whatever that might be. And I think the part of what I've tried to do, and I haven't done it perfectly for sure, is to just try to understand that Heavenly Father just wants me to help him. He just wants me to help him help his children, whether that they're ones that I gave birth to or ones that I'm blessed to come in contact with in another way. He just wants me to bless them. And one of the things you said earlier, Emily, um, reminded me of a couple of things that have really resonated with me. One was from Sister Oaks, Elder Oaks' wife, Kristen, who, you know, she was, I think, 53 when she got married. I was at a fireside that she was speaking at, and and this also was after she got married. After she was married, yes, and it's also in her book. Something about being single, a single voice, a single voice. I knew it was a something really good. Yeah, single voice. I've read that several times, but she talks about the pain of being single, and she, the best way I can remember it, she says basically that pain is a divine feeling because it is to remind you that in the eternities, this isn't how it will be, that we'll be with families and that we will have our own children. And so that's one thing that I've tried to understand for myself is what does that look like? And one of the kind of uh, analogies or visuals that I've thought of is that being single when you want to be married, not having children when you would like to have them leaves a hole in your life, right? It does. It's a hole. And it's very obvious as you see your friends getting married and having kids. And for me now, a lot of them grandkids that they have it and I don't. And that hole can be really painful. And sometimes you bury it pretty deep because it is so painful. And so you just try to ignore that. And sometimes that can be like... Really bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. No, I know. Yeah. It, it can be. What else do you do? Because uh-huh. you can't live in this constant obvious pain. pain. Yeah. And so yeah. you have to find a way of, of Somehow mitigating it. Yeah. Yes. Or putting it somewhere where it's just not festering all of the time. Right. And that's my analogy is that for those of us who are single, when we would love to be married and have families, it is a whole but we can decorate around it. We can put bridges over it. We can put things around it and decorate it and make it look good and beautiful. I think for me, the thing I've learned is that it's supposed to be there. Like I'm not supposed to fill that with my career. I'm not supposed to fill that. It's only supposed to be filled with that family, but I don't have to just spread everything out so wide and leave it gapingly open. I can beautify it. Right? I can I can beautify that space in my life, leaving it open, leaving my heart open for that. But we can have a really good time along the way. And that, I think, is filling your life with meaningful relationships and connection. The unhappy people that I know, whether they're married or single, they feel a lack of connection. 
and filling it with meaningful connection, beautiful things, things and that hobbies, last. things yeah. that you love to do. Yeah, and totally. I, I, that's how I've, I guess I would, I've coped necessarily <laughs> or learned to find joy in the unexpected life is to decorate around it. And that has made my life beautiful. That's so good. I love that. I just actually had a student in my office just the other day and he was like, you know, he's like, sister, right. How do you, <laughs> he was so sweet. He's like, I know you've been single for a while. And in, in my opinion, like you're killing it. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But he's like, but I just want to know, like, how do you find that fulfillment in, in something that you want so bad, but you're not having. And I think exactly that analogy that you just shared is so good. Like, and what Stephanie was saying too, like, we don't need to ignore it. We don't need to like put a blind eye to it, but we can definitely make it a beautiful whole, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I think it goes right back to what we were talking about at the very beginning with Christ. Like he makes that beautiful and he inspires us with ways to build that bridge and to build those flowers and those things around it that make it like meaningful and not just something like, I don't know. I used to, in a more negative analogy of this, I would sometimes tell my family, I was like, sometimes I just feel like I'm at a train station and everyone has gone on board on that train except for me. And everyone's enjoying that ride of life. And I'm back there to wave everyone goodbye and somehow be happy, <laughs> you know, but it's like, no, actually like you can have a, a different view on that and you can find fulfillment and Christ is at the center of that. Like he can definitely help with that. But I love that fulfillment of relationships and friends and connection. Like that's huge. Those things last other things like our jobs as important as they are, they're going to come to an end. Yeah. We, Emily and I have even talked about the idea of compensatory blessings. And so we've looked at, you know, what, have we been able to accomplish and it's not like from a a negative or a comparison but what my life has offered me because I was single that I wouldn't probably have had had I been home raising children and I look at those beauties and so maybe there's just a different train we're on a train it's just going in these amazing places that we might not have considered and so I mean I've been to France what 33 times 33? 33. I know. Wow. I'm like a total, I'm a total snob. I just keep going and I buy shoes and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is very meaningful. In fact, I was going to joke, you know, like other teachers would put their families on their wall pictures. I was going to put pictures of my shoes <laughs> that I got in Paris. Uh, these I adopted in 2014. <laughs> oh my God. And these I adopted. But it's I, where you find joy. <laughs> I haven't yet. No, I just as a joke because like, what are these? Oh, these are my children. Yeah. I mean, my shoes. I mean, and I think that there has to be some healthy thought process there too, that looking for the compensatory blessing and the goodness of God in those moments. Well, I, I love what's saying here too, and kind of down this track, um, Kathy was talking with us the other day and I loved what she shared. I, I actually had not considered this before, but going down that track and as you get older, I think it's really easy to try to fill that hole and heal it kind of thing that you kind of shut off your brain of, well, I guess marriage is the next life. And especially as you start looking at your friends or family members that are 
literally going through hell with their kids or just awful things that are so difficult. And it's really tempting and easy to take a step back and be like, man, I'm so glad that's not my life. You know, like I am so grateful. It's a family of one and I can choose when I want to go to France and buy those shoes or I can, you know, and so I love how you said you're at a stage now where you're like, you're just praying and saying, you know, God, keep my heart open. Do you mind expanding on that a little bit more how you came to that? Because I I love that that insight was so good. Yeah, I think it's it's just what you said, Emily, and what we were talking about earlier is it's it's painful, right? To just have that wide open gap in your life can be can be really painful. And so I think our natural human tendency is to want to close it up and be and just to be reconciled to that's not my life, that's not, you know, fine for everybody else, but not for me. And I think just just leaving it open and understanding that there's an eternal perspective and as trite as that may be sounds to us who who are in the church and who have heard that a lot it really is true and i think for me that's brought it was a journey for me to get to that point where I understood that having my own children wasn't going to happen in this life. Painful. So painful, right? But then you go, okay, well, how does it make sense then? Because I, I believe in the promises of blessing after blessing that I've been given. I believe that. So what does that mean? And, and not losing faith over the blessings but growing faith over the eternal perspective that yes, it will happen just differently than what I thought those blessings meant. And I think, I think that's been part of it for me is just some of it is just letting go and just, just saying, okay, I obviously, this is not my plan. Obviously this isn't. And so I'm just going to concede in a way, let God prevail, right? Just let it be his plan and just ask that, one, I don't mess it up. That's that's a prayer in my heart. Just don't let me mess it up, right? Like you're going to have to make this really obvious for me. I'm not that smart. Like just make it plain. What am I supposed to do? Because I, I don't know. And that I won't miss opportunities where I can make connections, whether it's for a future spouse or not, but certainly with someone who can bless my life. I don't want to miss that opportunity, young or old, male or female, whoever it might be. Um, And just kind of concede that Heavenly Father does have a plan for me. I didn't somehow screw the whole thing up and that it's going to work out okay. I think that's one of the things that I've had fear about in my life. And I think a lot of people, um, probably married or not, do that it's just not going to work out for whatever reason. It's just going to have a bad ending. And I, I fully believe and trust and have hope in that it is going to work out. It's all going to be fine. And those promised blessings, like you talked about, Stephanie, the compensatory blessings, um, I know, I believe it was Elder Faust, President Faust, James E. Faust talked about that, that there's compensatory blessings for single people who haven't had families in this life. And like I said, kind of to loosen my grip a little bit and just to be like, okay, I'm going to just trust that, that this plan is great. It's going to be for me and I'm going to embrace it. 
How, what advice would you give for someone who is, let's say they're, you know, maybe 25, 26, and they are starting the course of directing their life, graduating from college, finding jobs. What advice would you give to maybe take your hands off the controls a little bit and allow that plan to develop, even though, how do I say this? They still feel like they can control it. <laughs> and, and some might. You can, you know, you can get on the dating sites and you can do really specific things. I thought that was something that I could control. Mm-hmm. And when it kept not happening, it was so frustrating because I had to come to the same conclusion. And so we have this balance between letting God prevail, but not sitting home and just eating chips on my couch, yeah. which I like to do. I chips do too. Really good. <laughs> Especially salt and vinegar. Those are oh, I love that. Like yeah. the crunchy kettle. Yes. Oh. Okay. So what advice would you have for getting to the point where you were allowing God's plan to develop? without a lot of your input and that controlling factor. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I think as I, there, there was, you know, when I was in that, uh, maybe mid thirties age, I was, I just really felt like I was failing at it. It felt like failure that other people were succeeding at getting married and I was failing at it. And I had to really just search my heart for how to do it. Right. And one was to try to stay as close to the spirit as I could so that I could know if there was something I was supposed to be doing that I wasn't. And for my own particular journey, I've had several opportunities to get married and that has been great, but it kind of complicated it because I wanted to get married and, and I had people in my life just say, well, literally someone who I love dearly said, well, just pick one, you know? And I was like, okay, well, that doesn't seem great. I mean, I don't really want it's to not pick a one. game show. Yeah. <laughs> What's behind the door number two? Exactly. So, you know, just pick one didn't quite seem right to me. So I think for me, it's been trying to stay as close to the spirit as possible. But I had this kind of an internal realization at one point as I sat there and tried to think of, now, now what am I doing wrong? Because other people are getting married. I'm not getting married. Well, let's think of who's getting married and how they're doing it. Okay, well, there's this person who got married and they met in the grocery store line. And there's this person who it was online, you know, LDS online. And this person was a blind date. And this person, they tripped and fell and, you know, ran into the person that they got married to. And the, the <laughs> classic Hallmark movie. <laughs> the only thing, and this, I, I challenge anyone to, to find, I don't know if I'm wrong on this, but the only thing I could find in common with people that are getting married is that they were somewhere doing something. And I thought that was kind of trivial, but then I realized actually it's really important because there's a lot of people nowhere doing nothing, but I needed to be somewhere doing something, whether it was doing my calling or a hobby or with a a friend who's young or old, male or female, because they're going to know people who might, you know, know somebody who I could potentially date. And so that's kind of been my journey is just to try to be somewhere doing something and not to allow being single and frustrated about that to have, to choose to just, like you said, Emily, just, I'm just going to go hide and I'm just going to 
shut it all off and find a way to be happy in my own little shell because that's not me I'm not happy that way but I think um, being somewhere doing something is a lot more valuable than we might make it out to be that it's important yeah. you, 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 we have to have connection that's how we're built as humans and I think that's how Heavenly Father wants us to be in this life and, and just try to build connections and so those are kind of my two things is one to stay close to the spirit whatever age we are that's the only way to navigate this crazy, crazy life and then just to just don't allow those frustrations of the unexpected life to let you just recede into yourself because lack of connection can really Really be a bad thing yeah. in so many ways. You got to live your life. I was just the other weekend. I mean, just a simple thing. I, I bought a road bike. I was really excited about it. And I was like, I'm just going to go to Zion National Park and I'm going to ride and have fun. You know, it's like those things that you can't wait for other people to invite you or be a part of. Like sometimes you just got to take that wheel and like, just go. Um, because otherwise if you're waiting for someone else or that perfect date or that guy to come to your life or that you're just going to get more frustrated and things are going to pass you by and then you're going to get more sad and then you're going to retreat even more to yourself. And it's just, it's bad. And, and again, like everything that we talk about here too, I think it's, it's totally fine. Those of you that are listening that you feel like, well, sometimes I just need some time alone or I just need me time or I just want to be by myself tonight or whatever. Like, I think that's healthy too. And there's a time and place for that. Like you got to figure out what's your happiness, but, but you got to trust to let go and let God just prevail, you know, like our prophets telling us. Right. And, uh, and find joy in the journey, even though sometimes that's really difficult and hard when it's not your plan A. Yeah. And one thing we talked about the other day too, um, is that it's not just single people who are challenged by this, you know, it's life, life is difficult. And you mentioned it earlier. I mean, you can take a look around at married people and some of their challenges and people with children and some of those challenges. And I think it's a trap to, to come to believe that being single you have a corner on the market of pain we don't (laughs) we don't we do not or to think Um, that you get married and all your problems are solved exactly because that's the big hurdle in life right exactly but but certainly we can do this together we can do it and you know this is this is something i'm passionate about is because it's been my life and it's been stephanie i know it's your life and emily not your life and I'm, I'm passionate about my own journey and how heavenly father has blessed me along the way and i i know that he is there for all of us who are going through this journey or whatever other journey we're going through he is there and sometimes he's hard to find <laughs> for, for whatever reason he makes that part of the journey is that you have to search for him and seek for him but I know um, I know he's there and he's been there for me and it's it's really the only way I would have made it through because it's a painful journey sometimes to be on one you don't you wouldn't have chosen but it can be very very beautiful with the people that come into your life and and the way that Heavenly Father can bless you in unexpected ways and on that note sometimes we think that God is only there if he comes in the presence of a man that we marry mm. and that is not the only manifestation of the presence of God and think about all of the people that you have met and think about all the people Emily and, and I have met and the associations that we have God is in those relationships and in those connections as well and so sometimes we have to 
recognize the hand of God as something different than maybe what we are hoping that it would manifest itself as. It still can be, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And so I hope that we don't miss out on seeing the hand of God in those times, and especially if it's prolonged, that we can see him almost on a daily basis through whatever experiences that we're having. Yeah, I, I just, everything that's been said here, it's just so good. And, and uh, learning to let go, I feel like that's something that, that was pretty prevalent here and, and enjoying that journey and that unexpected life. And so we've just been super blessed to have Kathy here with us and uh, sharing her insights and taking time. And, and we just hope that um, today was beneficial to all of you and, and that you uh, have someone in your life that can show you God's hand that he hasn't forgotten you and, and that we are, we really are in this together. We're not alone. Thanks for joining us. And we will continue this next time. 